0: and welcome to the Joyful Noise Podcast. I am your host, Lizzie, and today is the pilot episode. So I've had uh, the idea for this podcast kind of um, hanging around my noggin. I feel like I'm channeling my inner Bailey Sarian. Um, But anyway, floating around in my head for quite some time. And the reason that I've wanted to start it is because, A, I don't feel like there's a lot of content out there Or perhaps there's more room for content out there pertaining particularly to classical music and classical singing and just the world of of music and singing in general. Um, And the the style of singing philosophy that I really want to discuss. Uh, So there's that. The other thing is that I'm just a verbal processor. I'm not going to lie. I love to talk. And um, I feel like this is a safe space uh, for me to get to do that. And I promise you it's not going to be just me talking for this podcast by any means. Um, but this pilot episode is just for me to kind of get my story out there um, and hopefully give you an idea of what the mood of these Podcasts are going to be like. Uh, In future episodes, I hope to have people that I can actually interview and talk with and ask them questions and learn more about their story. Um, But today, you get to hear mine. So I have always loved singing and loved performing. Um, Oh, wait look at me learning things. So one thing I want to do before the beginning of every episode is talk about something that I am joyful about. Um, And this is going to sound so basic, but the truth is I'm a student at the University of Mobile right now studying my master's degree in vocal performance, and something that's just made me joyful is being back. Um, I think that COVID really just, you know, it, it caused us all to step away from everything that was normal, uh, and kind of slow down and really, at least for me, it really made me think about the things that are important in my life, and I just have made so many beautiful and valuable friendships and relationships here at school, Uh, and I really felt uh, the loss of that when I was gone, and so to be back home uh, in Mobile, Alabama with all of the people that I love, that has just put me on cloud nine, and so I've just really enjoyed that Another joyful thing, uh, we're about to be hit by two hurricanes, uh, allegedly, um, but I love rain, so I reserve the right to be really, um, I reserve the right to whine about it later, but right now, <laughs> I'm just, I'm happy it's raining. So those are two things that I'm joyful about. Okay, on to my story. So, I have always loved singing, even as a little girl. I was dramatic from birth. Um, I was expressive and artistic, and when I was really small, I kind of just pictured myself on stage, and I didn't even really know what that meant, but performing was kind of in my makeup and my, my blood from the beginning. Um, but I didn't really have a name for that whole idea until I was around... 14, uh, And I'll put a pin in that and get back to it in a second. But I, I grew up with live theater as a child. My mom was really good about taking us to go see live shows. I lived for an annual outdoor performance of Oklahoma uh, in this um, little, I don't know, I mean, I guess it was a a national park. I don't know. But I mean, just the magic of seeing actors and singers come alive on stage and tell a story that just really resonated with me um but then growing up like of course I went through the I want to be a vet I want to be a chef or whatever um and I did but it this is always I think the the quirky funny part of the story it wasn't until I saw the filmed version of cats the musical not the 2019 let's not talk about that uh, no, I'm talking about the ninety seven, the good one, the actual one, the only one I, re- I acknowledge exists. But it wasn't until watching that that I really I think had the the vocabulary for what I truly wanted to do with my life, which was which was singing and performing. So here was the problem. I grew up in a in a small town, we're talking super tiny, like 4,000 people, some of you are like, I grew up in a smaller town, that's great, I believe you, but then you would know that there is, like, absolutely no artistic resources, and for me, there, there really were not, like, there, there was nothing I could do, um, there were no community theaters, um, I tried to get voice lessons with whoever would teach me, but even that was difficult, um, and I had people along the way that encouraged me and I could talk to about musicals, but like if I found somebody that like also was interested in musical theater, I was like, we have to be best friends because I just needed the community of of listening to someone else. Like, tell me, tell me someone else likes this besides me. I felt really alone, really isolated. Um, and I had this just deep, deep, deep desire to perform musical theater and just absolutely no way to do it. So... My bathroom ended up being my stage. Um, I listened to the Wicked soundtrack backwards and forwards. Um, I just absorbed any musicals that I could get my hands on. Um, And that was my life for the next four years. Um, I, I had such an intense drive. Uh, and and a goal to do that 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 was that was just like all I could think about every decision I made every plan was like well one day I'm going to be in musical theater so this is what I have to do and keep in mind I really had never been in a musical up until that point like I mean like I did a couple of musicals like when I was a kid like at church but I but but honestly like so I did plays at our local community college uh Doug Hoppick really mentored me in acting Um, but again, no musical experience. Uh, Then, I turned 18 um, and was still going to community college 15 miles up the road from where I lived, Uh, and I started taking voice lessons for the first time, and again, it was all in preparation for musical theater school, and Um, I just wanted to sing all the musical stuff. And I had a decent voice. I knew that. I knew that my voice was was stronger than the average bear. But it wasn't until I started training with a married couple um, that I really discovered that I had the ability to sing classically and that hadn't really occurred to me before like I'd thought about opera but never seriously considered it. Um, and when they worked with me, they were like, hey, your, your range is pretty big and, you know, you have the instrument. Let's, let's cultivate this. So they gave me a couple of songs to work on, like literally an art song and a musical theater piece. And I worked on those two things and that was my audition package for school. So, uh, then I, um, started auditioning for colleges, and I can tell you it was kind of an odd experience to go to these musical theater departments, these, you know, sit in front of these faculty during the interview process and be like, so how many shows have you been in? And and tell them to their face, like, I have never been in a musical. And like, why do you want to be in musical theater so badly? And it was one of those things that I just knew for a fact, but couldn't explain. Um... And so I auditioned at two different places, and neither one was a good fit for me, but I didn't know what else to do. Um, and this, this was when I was around 19. I was about to graduate with my associate's degree, um, and I had to go somewhere to finish my bachelor's. Um, and my mom was in the hospital with my youngest sister, and uh, through kind of a random Google search, she found Washer Baptist University, uh, sent me a link to apply, it was free, so I did that, and um, auditioned there a few weeks later, and ended up getting a pretty substantial scholarship that made it possible for me to go, and then that's what began my musical journey and my musical training. So I studied there for three years, and um, and then <laughs> without getting too too sidetracked, it was kind of crazy, because I stepped in there And I had a couple of realizations. The first, um, my voice was no longer something special, which was a little difficult for me to kind of stomach because I feel like everybody, especially performance kids, when you step into a new department, you're kind of like, you're welcome world, I have arrived. Or at least that's kind of how I was. Uh, Because my voice had been my superpower when there was not a lot of other people there, like, in my hometown, I was one of the few people that could really sing, um, and I knew that, I knew that what I could do was quote-unquote special in that environment, but when you go into a music department where being able to sing decently supported and in tune, you know, with the type of range that I have, that was standard, (laughs) like, you wouldn't be here if you couldn't do that. And so then I was like, oh, no, that's going to help me. So I realized, well, shoot, I actually have to work now. <laughs> um, on top of that, I also knew that at some point I wanted to do a master's degree. And, it, and, and similar to I didn't really know what a musical was because I would never been in one, but I still felt like it was the right thing for me. I didn't really know what I meant when I said I wanted to do a master's degree, but it just felt right. And it felt right enough that I had communicated that to some faculty who really encouraged me to change my major from a BFA in musical theater to a Bachelor of Music in musical theater. And the tracks were slightly different in that the repertoire for Bachelor of Music in musical theater um, split my repertoire down the middle with German, French, and Italian and, and classical pieces as well as musical theater, so it was a truly a cross-training degree. That proved extremely helpful later on down the road. Uh, The problem was I was really afraid to do it because I had no musical experience whatsoever. I barely knew what a treble clef was. So looking at a degree plan that included four semesters of theory... Um, three semesters of music history, four semesters of aural skills, all of these things I just had no idea about definitely scared me. I was really afraid to step into that. But I realized it was fear and not faith that was causing me to move in that direction. So I, I prayed about it and thought about it. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> this is gonna be hard as heck, but <laughs> let's do it. And so I changed my major two weeks in to a Bachelor of Music in Musical Theater. Um, and yeah, began my studies, which involved possibly two hours uh, a night studying theory, um, using every single resource, like, that I could possibly get my hands on to understand these difficult music concepts, learning the discipline of having to practice, um, enjoying the benefit of weekly lessons, where before they were bi-weekly, so I really was very green in so many, many areas, um. Ah, wow. (laughs) I'm looking back and I'm thinking about it now, and I'm just like, I really didn't know anything. (laughs) I did (laughs) not Like, I thought I knew so much coming in about, like, acting and singing and whatever, and I just, I had no, I I just had so little experience. It's so funny to think about now. And it also wasn't that long ago, because I'm, I'm not that old. It's not that far away, but it seems just like an eternity. Wow, so life is crazy. Anyway, um, so I had my first voice teacher there um, and really got my first level of technique. And um, this is really why I want to start this podcast is this particular storyline that I would like to address. Um, I'm very, very grateful for what I learned at my school and the people that I met and what I got to do. But I also came into school with some valuable things that I lost to touch with, and it's taken a master's degree to get back in touch with them. And they were the initial fire in my belly, if you will, the initial passion to sing, the love for it, the, the childlike playfulness that, it, that singing and storytelling entail. Singing over time for me became very academic, it became very competitive. Um, And granted, this industry is inherently competitive um, just by nature. Uh, There's only so many amount of roles and a lot of people, and so it's very easy to step into a scarcity mentality. Um, But the competition and the... The academic side of singing to me just really sucked a lot of the joy out of it. A need to be perfect really, really um, took the took the joy of singing out of me over time. Uh, and I got to a place where the academic, sciencey, you know, do all the right thing style of of teaching and singing. It just really hit hit an end point for me and I didn't feel like it was changing anything like I understood yes my my intercostal muscles and my my larynx and my cricothyroid, and thyroid muscles need to do all of these things but I couldn't actually micromanage all of that I just wanted to sing and so <laughs> granted I had plenty of technical issues um, and the current influences of my life at the time did everything that they knew at the time to help me, but they're just—it just wasn't it, um, which led to for me some pretty intense frustration, um, and I just—I just hit a really, really low point in my in my singing in my life in general, but just my singing life. Like, I I came to a point towards the end of my senior year of, or towards the middle of my senior year where I knew that I wanted to perform, um, I wanted to sing opera, I wanted to get into a master's program, but my voice wasn't where it needed to be technically, and I didn't feel like I had anything to offer the world, Um, so I resolved, even before trying to get into a master's program, which is why I changed my major to begin with. I chose to take a gap year. That was what I was going to do. I had kind of resolved to do that. But thankfully, I had people in my life step in and send the name Dr. Marianne Kyle, who will be on this podcast at some point, Um, (laughs) and the University of Mobile in my direction. Um, And so I was like, okay, I mean, the worst that can happen is a no. Um, And so I reached out. And worked with Dr. Kyle over the winter break. I and she responded to me very quickly and uh, really made me feel like I was I was valued just for who I was as a person. And I realized I had lost touch with the connection between your value as a person and your the value in your voice. Um, yeah. <laughs> Perhaps there will be a time in this podcast, maybe, to get into more details about the the, the true harder things uh, that happened in that spring semester of my senior year. But suffice to say, um, my recital—I I don't think I could have gotten through my recital without Dr. Kyle there in my corner when it seemed like nobody else was there for me. Um, but I got through my senior recital. I I passed, even my passing was subject to debate, and then a week later, I hopped in the car with my dad and drove to University of Mobile, fully expecting not to get in, because I was still banking on a gap year. My thought was, oh, and by the way, I forgot to mention this, Um, usually when you're auditioning for graduate schools, it's safe to have, you know, between five or six options if you're being serious. I auditioned for one school. (laughs) Because I was at such a point where I'm like, at this point, if I'm not studying with Dr. Kyle, I just I just don't want to do it. So I'm just going to literally throw all of my, ba- my eggs into this one basket and hope for the best. And if it doesn't happen, then fine. Um, I did everything I possibly could to self-sabotage in that I was belting Bright Star and drinking no water and getting very little sleep the night before of my audition. Uh, as you do. And then I showed up and uh I'm pretty sure I flossed on stage at one point and I'm talking about like the dance move. Um I don't know why I did that. I just remember just kind of being completely checked out. Um I just yeah, I just was like so so done with all of it. And I just was like, I'm here, this is me. Hi guys. Um But to my shock and surprise and just utter thankfulness to to God and man, but mostly God, uh, I I passed my hearing, which was more than I was expecting, and then um, Dr. Kyle made room in her studio for me. And so in the span of an afternoon, I went from feeling hopeless and unwanted and just tired of singing to finally knowing to some degree what my future was going to hold for me with the, for the next two years now I couldn't have possibly imagined how much I was going to change even in the span of one because right now I'm only at the halfway mark but it was such an amazing thing to be like oh my gosh now I have hope again and that's that was what that day gave me was hope um, I still had to go back to my school and all of its problems uh, and my personal problems um, but the light at the end of the tunnel was knowing that at some point I was going to get to be a mobile ram, and that was that was around the corner, and I was super super excited. Um, so yeah, I had the hope of mobile around the corner, but I knew that that wouldn't happen until August, and we were still in March at the time. Um, I I kind of crossed the the graduation finish line crawling. I was not emotionally present for it, uh, and I really wasn't emotionally present for the next few months afterward because there was a lot of um, trauma, really. Um, and that's a different story for a different time. But I will say this, that the, the trauma of my personal life in connection with my voice um, really had an effect. I did not sing for a month. I didn't want to sing. I felt like just kind of wounded and one would think that with the with the hope of grad school on the horizon I would be ever so motivated to get my voice in the best shape of its life but I wasn't I really wasn't and if you've had depression or you know perhaps you've just been in a low moment in your life you can understand it's like you can have the head knowledge of knowing that there's there's hope but it can still feel so dark um, and that's just kind of that's just kind of where I was. Cause I had just, it wasn't just the spring semester or the fall semester, it was just over years and years of having the joy of singing just kind of drained out of me and feeling so tired. Um, you know, I, I feel like I showed up to Mobile just with a ton of, a ton of baggage, and it's been an amazing year of undoing that baggage. Um, when I studied with Dr. Kyle, we had to take a lot of baby steps uh, to get me out of my own head um, and overcome the voices of criticism that were still very much ingrained in me. And to this day, sometimes they they show up, but they have so much less power than they did, and I cannot tell you how freeing that is. Um, I'm wrapping up here, but I just wanted to cover a few takeaways. As I, as I worked with Dr. Kyle, the primary things that I learned, um, I learned about how interconnected the mind, the body, and the spirit are all integrated into singing, and how important it is to truly be kind to yourself as you grow. A lot of times, singers especially, and it's because, guys, like, if you are an opera singer, and if you're listening to this podcast, I imagine you are, or a singer of some kind, you love your art, you respect your art, and you want to honor your art. But please hear me when I say the way to honor your art must, it, you must honor yourself as well. You must be kind to yourself as well you must love yourself as well and a lot of times when people hear the word love yourself whatever that does not mean that you ignore mistakes that does not mean you allow yourself to continue in unhealthy patterns because if you allow yourself to do that or anyone to to operate in unhealthy patterns and pretend it's okay that is not love that is allowance that is that is tolerance. And those are not the same thing. Love is again identifying unhealthy patterns and trying to allow yourself to grow, but you cannot grow by force. And you cannot grow with a sense of urgency and white knuckling. You have to allow yourself to grow at your own pace. You are an emotionally complicated houseplant, as some would describe it. <laughs> like, And I think that uh, Dr. Kyle did an excellent job with me. I don't feel like she ever pushed me so far outside of my comfort zone that I wasn't allowed to grow at my own pace. Um, She never chastised me and she never made me feel threatened or I had to be in a place that I wasn't. And so that gave me time to really absorb what she was teaching me about the mind and the body. Um, And just as yeah as I was learning I just really internalized the idea that like my baseline voice my true voice the fingerprint voice that is uniquely mine is okay on its own and a lot of the problems that I had been having were really trying to shape my voice into something that it wasn't ultimately trying to shape me into a person that I was not and so I have now I think gotten much closer I, I will never say that I have arrived in any area until I arrive in heaven with sweet Jesus, but uh, I am so much further along than I was in the understanding that my voice is okay on its own. It's beautiful on its own, in fact. It's worth celebrating. It's worth training. It's worth taking care of. It's worth using. Um, and so, honestly, this conver- I wanted to keep this podcast as conversational as possible I'm sure there are so many details that I missed, and I'm sure as well that as I talk to other people and hear their stories, um, more details are going to emerge. Um, But the point that I would like to make in conclusion is just singing is fun, and if it's not fun, then why are we doing it? We can't... Like, why would we sing if we don't love what we do? And how can we love what we do if we're trying to squeeze ourselves into shapes that we're not and so friends I would like to encourage you as we continue through the journey of this podcast and as you listen to other people's stories and the way that they think about singing and life and how those things interconnect be thinking about your own journey and be thinking about who you are in the singing world who you are in God's world um because it's an amazing amazing place and the human voice is just an incredible thing that can do so much for people. It can bring so much healing to yourself and to others. Um, and so that is hopefully what we're going to get to unpack uh, in these future episodes of the Joyful Noise podcast. But if you've made it this far through my, through my kind of stream of consciousness, <laughs> um, I just want to thank you so much for listening. Um, if you have any questions for me, um and I oh my gosh, I'm the worst. I'm really trying not to shameless plug. You do not have to follow this Instagram page, but it is the one I check the most often and it is public. If you go uh on Instagram to classical beauty, I'm pretty sure it might be classicalbeauty underscore. Um shameless plug, that is my makeup Instagram page because I'm also super into makeup, so please ignore all of the crazy selfies but you can direct message me from there with any questions about singing or a subject you want us to cover. Um, That would be great. We'd love to have your feedback. Um, I'm also on Facebook, Elizabeth Griffin. You can direct message me there, although it's less likely I'll see it. Um, But anyway, just thank you so much for listening, and we really hope you enjoy this, Um, and I can't wait to do more of these episodes. So you guys have a great day, uh, and we'll see you next time. Bye, guys.